Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studio, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. I'm Vicar? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) And... And I'm Peter. Peter's here in the building. In the building. And and uh, Vicar is not here. So before we get into even this part, okay? Okay. The listener may have just heard, and if, if I can hear it in the recording, I will amplify it. You scooted your chair just now. Yes. And the Vicar, Vicar uh, last week, we remember we he got a, a puzzle. Yes. You moved and you just oh my goodness. spilled the puzzle everywhere. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's a thousand pieces of cardboard on the floor now directly behind you. And I don't, and Vicar's not here to pl- clean it up. Well, so that brings us into our next point, right? We have a, a substitute Vicar. Substitute Vicar. Hello. So uh, we got a young whippersnapper named. Hi, I'm Jonah. I am the youngest of the Bullhigans. So, so we didn't have Vicar, so I found the, the next best, best thing. Yeah, Jonah was the last one that I educated. Of your of your brood, so and in honor of that, look what he's wearing. I know he's wearing the uh, the riff on that T-shirt that you can get from our merch store. Is Which, it is it still the most popular? Yes, it is. Is it really? Huh. Is it is it? Have you seen one in person yet? No, this is the first time I've seen one in person. Is it is it a little unsettling? It is. It is a little unsettling. <laughs> I, <laughs> Just the dazed look on your face too. <laughs> I. Uh, you know, and you guys, I should have, I should have gotten a clerical error shirt because you guys are all wearing them. Yeah, all of us are. Well, Jonah, believe it or not, actually asks. That's what he wanted for Christmas. Well, okay. <laughs> There's a little bit more to it than that. I wasn't just like, "Hey, I want clerical errors merch for Christmas." Uh, you know, I was asked, "Hey, do you want anything from the clerical errors store for Christmas?" And I said, "Sure, I'll take the the riff on that shirt and the sweatpants." I'm wearing both. Yeah, so. he's got the sweatpants too. You see that? He's, he's I do. all decked out. It's it's pretty epic, guys. You should be here in person to see it. And they might actually be they actually might be able to see us in person here uh pretty soon, right? Yeah. We have in the works on the twenty fourth, circle that on your calendar, the twenty fourth of January, a live taping of the show. And where's that gonna be? Uh as soon as we Nail down with the manager, for sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so as, as of recording, we we're announcing the date before we even nail down the venue. <laughs> <laughs> there, right. And there is a chance. Okay. I'm wor- this is in the works, um, but I might see if I can get uh, Pastor Chris Christian to drive over from Oklahoma from Port Berlin. Oh wow! You so, think he would leave his truck stop to? Well. It's on the way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, so today is today is the second of January. Happy New Year's, guys! Yeah, Happy New Year! Happy <laughs> yes, New Year's! Yes, it is uh, the twenty sixth of December slash. Yeah, we're recording on the twenty sixth, but as you hear it, it's the second. It's it's uh, it's a new year. It's twenty twenty two. New horizons. I wonder what's changed. Yeah, I know we're speaking to you from the right, past. Right. By the you way, probably think we're quaint and I'm old-fashioned. limited by the technology of. By my the time. way, I can't believe that happened 
on January 1st, that football game. That football game was crazy. Right. Can you can you believe that one scandal that happened too? Right. Right. I bet that guy must have been hung over or something. Right. And that Omicron thing? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, every time I'm around for New Year's, I try and bring some champagnes. We have some Brut Ma- uh, Meissen de Fuel. I don't know how to hear Berg. You're cultured. Yeah. I, I can't speak French. It's sparkling like, wine. Yeah. It's wine that says the same champagne on it. Right. So. No, thank you, Peter. We appreciate and it. And we have something else, too. We have something else. Something else. We do. We didn't tell That's, you about this. Ooh. Yeah. Right. So this afternoon, I threw something in the Instant Pot. Oh, you did? Yes. Uh, Sauerkraut? No. Chicken? It actually comes from the land of one of your members. The land of one of my members. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it the venison? Yes, I brought the Ooh, a venison roast. Nice. No, no fixins, just the meat. Hey, that's the way we like it. <laughs> so, Vicar, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Substitute, substitute, substitute Vicar. Um, give us some tips on substitute Vicar on deer hunting. Yeah, riff on that a little. What, what did you use to shoot this substitute Vicar? Uh, you know, I, I used the old... Uh, <laughs> I used I used the old uh, just, just kill it, where you just... You just kill it. Oh, very nice. What kind of what, what model of gun did you use? I, I think it was a blunderbuss. Uh, no, I, I'm a little bit high, more high tech. I used a a 1911. You know, just yeah, of course, of course. Keep, keeping it real. <laughs> Ooh. That was awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so you should I get the? You want to pull out the venison? Yeah, pour the champagne. All right. This is like fantastic. Yeah. Just meat and champagne. Does it, get- <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. Champagne in plastic cups. We are fancy. Well, hopefully this year uh, it will look up and won't live up to its name of 2022. Yes, yes. The sequel? Yeah, we don't We don't need any of that. Oh. Even plates. Look at how fancy Look at are. that. Man, we are living the dream. Pass that over to Berg. <laughs> Substitute Vicar, what are you Substitute doing? Substitute Vicar is spilling champagne all over the floor. Like a true Vicar would. That you is know, true. You you are living up to the uh, expectations. You know, the funniest part is if you adopt an accent, you'd almost sound like him too. Yeah, I don't, I'm not good with accents, so. Just go live in the UP for a little while and, and yeah. shoot a couple more deer, I guess. <laughs> Let's <laughs> describe this suck. Oh my goodness! And How does that look? You know, that did, looks beautiful. Did we mention this isn't just venison? What is this, Bullhagen? This is the uh, like the backstrap. Like he gave me one of the better. Man, he really wants to pass. I know. <laughs> Good on Vicar. He's he's one of the uh, more forward-thinking ones. All right. How's the champagne, by the way? Here. It is fantastic. Uh, Jonah is underage, so he's having sparkling water. Uh. All right. We don't have any serving utensils, so grab some meat. (laughs) 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 Oh, look at how tender that is. Uh, Breaking apart. Wow. Yeah, so so let me uh, describe this to the listener. This is nice, kind of this dark brown meat. Uh, it falls apart with a, you know, when you cut it with a fork. If it was, if it was beef, it'd be a little bit of an unsettling color, but it's not. Yeah, it's like it's got this kind of a greenish hinge to it. It's good. 
probably a good thing it does come apart with a fork because we don't have any knives. Yeah, we have paper plates and plastic forks. True, uh, Claire Claire's fashion. Wait, that is good. That is good. Yeah, doesn't doesn't taste that different than beef. To yeah, me. it just tastes like beef to me. Made a little bit of a sweetness to it. Did you uh, did you soak it in anything? Marinate it at all? No, just uh, a little uh, a liquid smoke, and some salt. Wow, and a little just a little bit of seasoning. I am getting a little bit of the liquid smoke and stuff. That's so it's really nice. But I'm sure I'm sure uh the people, you know, uh who had the land were happy to see this deer go because like this isn't gamey at all. Right. Like I, so I'm sure this deer was eating a lot of corn out of the field. So <laughs> Well, in fact, we should dedicate this episode to uh because they're faithful listeners, aren't they? Mhm. So uh uh, thank you for sacrificing uh, land to make this beautiful meat for us for our vicar to shoot and kill and place on our table today. That's the truth. Especially where he can't enjoy it. <laughs> Which is, I think, the funniest part. Although this would just be another, like, a Tuesday for him. You'd just be like, yep, more deer meat, right? Yeah. So what do you want to, what text do you want to talk about? You want to talk about um, Sundays? You want to do the uh, circumcision thing? Uh, let's do, um, what is it? The, uh, the, the Sunday after New Year's. Okay. <clears throat> and the gospel reading is Matthew 2, 13 through 23. Um, so obviously we're getting a little bit of a different account, uh, of the birth and early years of Jesus, infancy of Jesus. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. I'm you, sorry, I just got... I thought you were like... No. Okay. No, it's just... He's, uh, <coughs> he's feeling the meat. Yeah, meat, the deer meat really likes my esophagus right now. Right. He wants to stay. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that, that, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So, um, you can say something about it. I need to get the, the meat Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is not exactly, uh, you know, everyone's coming down from the high of Christmas and everything, looking forward to the new year. And then this text kind of slaps you in the face a little bit, right? right? Because it kind of brings you back down to reality that things are not always as good as we would like them to be. We like to romanticize these things, right? You know, Mm -hmm. think about Christmas. Like, you know, Mary is looking so nice. 
you know, gazing down at the infant Jesus. He's so clean. Right. You know, everybody's like, all the animals are watching him. And, oh, it's so nice, right? Wrong. I mean, Mary was probably, like, dead tired and passed out because she just had a baby. Right? Mm -hmm. There's no way to, like, clean this baby, hardly, you know? Um, He's wrapped up in strips of cloth that you can find wherever. Um, You know, if they are in a barn, there's probably a lot of mooing and... Right, not a lot of hand sanitizer. Yeah, I mean, not exactly up to our standards of cleanliness in hospitals. It's kind of like they say that we have allergies right now because our society is too clean. I'm pretty sure he had no allergies. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have that issue, right? Um, And, you know, this kind of shows us because this actually takes place a lot later than what we know in the Christmas story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Here, the wise men find Jesus in a house. And this was probably up to two years from when Jesus was born. Mm-hmm. Right, so Jesus here is a toddler, um, and uh, and it's fascinating, right? All of these things. So, and the fact that uh, you know, uh, inherent in this is you know, it's not in the text necessarily, but the holy innocence, because they fled, but there were many who were killed. Who were killed? You know the, f- you know Herod was a terrible guy. You can actually go and read uh, about his life. I mean, he wasn't above killing his own wife and children think they he had them strangled in their baths um when he died he was such an evil man that he had all of the leading and prominent men put into the hippodrome and he said uh well kill them when i die so that way you know people won't be rejoicing (laughs) right i mean so this dude was bad news right well i mean that's what happens though like if someone's in power and they have kind of you know, you protect your th- your stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Stalin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, statues of him everywhere. Actually, I mean, he was the first guy to edit stuff out, right? Out of photos. He actually cut people out of the photos. Yeah, the same <laughs> photos slowly getting smaller and smaller. Right. And uh, But only a few months after he dies, like, all of his, all the stuff is gone. Like, he's, he's basically erased from history. So you got that aspect of it, right? The other interesting thing is, is right, because we know from the other accounts that Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth. Nazareth, yeah. Right? Like, that's where they were. That's where they met. That's where they were betrothed. I guess, I guess I, because I, I didn't listen to the whole text because I had the meat, meat stuck, but it, the Holy yeah. Innocence actually is mentioned in the text. Yes. <laughs> it's just that's when I had, <laughs> I apologize. You're probably, Berg, you can say it is there. What do you, are you on crack or something? You can say that. It's, it's all right. A, it's the new year. I'm trying to be a better person. <laughs> That's a, the the uh, resolution for this year is be a good person. Trying, failing already. <laughs> also, also the fact that uh, you see in this text, I mean, you can't really understand this without the Old Testament as well. Yeah, and do you want to talk a little bit about the Hosea text out of Egypt? I've called my son, and the Jeremiah text. Well, uh, in a way, Jesus represents the perfect Israel. Mm-hmm. And so, just like the children of Israel uh, were brought out of the land of slavery, so he called his son, who who came back out of Israel to the promised land in a perfect way, without wandering like they did, without following idols like they did. Yeah, you hear that text, and it begins, you know, when Ephraim was young, and Ephraim is uh, was a tribe, right? A tribe of uh, Joseph, right? He was mm-hmm. the son of Joseph, and Joseph is actually two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Ephraim was the bigger of the two tribes, and it became kind of the moniker of 
the Northern Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And so when Ephraim was young, uh, I loved him uh, and took him by the hand, and out of Egypt I have called my son, right? And then it goes into all the bad stuff that they ended up doing, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas here we see kind of a uh, Israel is a type of the true son of God, right? The only begotten son of God, the son who actually was obedient to his father until death, um, which is really great. And then you have this, you know, just really heartrending. Rachel weeping for her children. Right. And you know why Rachel is mentioned in Jeremiah? Because she died in Bethlehem. Right. right? She died giving birth to Benjamin. And that text is all about the the captivity, right? Mm-hmm. Of all these people being taken away. Um, and yet it's really fascinating to see the hope in that text too, right? And so Matthew is expecting that you actually know this stuff, that you actually know the Old Testament, mm-hmm. that you can uh, that you can uh, put these things together, right? Kind of like uh, you drop a song lyric, right? And you expect people to know what you're talking about, right? That's how familiar we really should be with the Bible, right? Yeah. It, it should be so much a part of us that, you know, you mention a part of this prophecy and you know the rest of it. Right, because we wind up, when we preach, having to explain everything. <laughs> yeah, you know. Which it, is fine, but... It's just, it's interesting that, you know, we we do this culturally, right? This isn't, like, foreign to us, because we listen to the radio and we do all this kind of stuff, and you can quote, uh, you know, like I quote Taylor Swift all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, except for maybe some people, um, you know, who have their heads in the stand. She's probably not the it thing anymore, right? Man, I don't know what the it thing is. I still listen to my high school music. Right. Just like you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, jo- Jonah, what's it? The it thing? Uh, is it like Doja Cat? Probably. I don't know. I... <laughs> I kind of just listen to my high school music playlist. So uh, you just listen to Deer Calling, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, you know. Actually, we all know what you guys listen to most, probably still to this day. Cake. Well, yeah. According <laughs> to my uh, my Spotify recap or whatever, it was like the top point oh one percent of cake listeners. So. <laughs> Man, you're going the distance. You are blessed. Da 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 da. All right, we'll try and. Uh, Let's try and quote cake songs while we're in this podcast for our cake fans. Oh, all the cake. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, what's interesting is, is that the last prophecy. <laughs> all of our, sorry, Berg. All of our minds are going a uh, hundred <laughs> yeah. miles an hour. I know. I, I, you saw probably all three of us, our eyes glazed over there as soon yeah. as he said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get us back on track. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> But, you know, that's the thing is, like, the last prophecy, um, there really isn't a prophecy about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you're going to find in the Bible, he shall be called a Nazarene, right? Some people say, well, it's talking about the Nazar, the root, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that isn't actually used of Jesus, like the shoot of Jesse. I mean, that that Mm -hmm. Hebrew word isn't used there. What that probably means is that um, everybody hated Nazareth. It was kind of like the, uh, I don't know. What's an area you guys like think is backward? Um, this is a dangerous conversation. This is a very dangerous conversation. I, if, I, I, if I speak, I am in big trouble. I am in. Yeah. Okay. I am in big trouble. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yep. So think of those places, right? We all we all know this, right? The places that uh, are kind of backward, places you wouldn't really want to go, mm-hmm. uh, places that were worthless. I mean, even in Solomon's time, you know, the northern part of Israel, uh, he calls like worthless. Um, and so, and you look at how they uh, go after Jesus all the time, and they're like, "Look, you're a Nazarene. The no prophet." arises from Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, one of the apostles says, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what do they call Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, right? Yeah. I mean, they're always digging at him. Right. Because of, you know, he's from this obscure, you know, dumb little town. And I think that's why Joseph and Mary wanted to stay in Bethlehem. Because it was a little nicer. Well, and because it fits the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Like, think of how much easier it would have been for Jesus to say, hey, look, I'm the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. Bethlehem's my hometown. But now, you know, everyone will say, well, he's really from Nazareth. What I find interesting about the Rachel weeping for her, her children is this, too, is you don't necessarily, if you didn't have that prophecy in there, you know, the Scripture says this is what is fulfilled. I mean, it's not like... Before this, you'd read that, oh, that's obvious talking about the holy innocence until it actually happens, and it says this is what it means. Right. And that's... It's, it's not something that, that can be smoothed over like milk, silk, a bedspread, or a quilt. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> actually, this means good, Ike, but I could have used a serrated edge mm. that moves back and forth. Such a simple machine. You never have to use force. Okay, so what part of the cat... Like, so what would you preach on for this? I mean, what would you guys want to hear? Yeah, like, what would you want to hear? Like, you hear this text. Like, what kind of questions would you guys want to, like, want the preacher to deal with? That's a tough cho- uh, tough question. Because I actually, th- I think it's a good point, uh, Berg, in the sense of um, it is good for the listener to actually actively listen to the text and have questions about it. Not not, not condemning you, you know? <laughs> you know? I'll listen to it next week. It's fine. <laughs> but, uh... Um, you know, well, obviously, whenever a text like this, you could talk about the second article stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. You could talk about the humiliation of Christ, that even though he's a king, he is forced to leave his kingdom mm-hmm. and dwell in uh, a land of darkness and idolatry, mm-hmm. um, that he is cast out of his rightful city of Bethlehem and forced to dwell in the worthless land of Galilee mm-hmm. in Nazareth. You can talk about uh, Second Commandment, because as he went to Egypt to come back, came back, the children of Israel, when they went from Egypt, you know, they were chasing after, mm-hmm. want to go back to the gods of, of Egypt. Yeah, and how he remained firm. Mm-hmm. Um, you could talk about how God guides all of these political things uh, to his greater glory and how he still does that mm-hmm. today. Uh, you can talk about uh, the Holy Spirit in the sense of... Uh, how scripture holds together in those prophecies. Mm-hmm. And you could talk about death, right? Because mm-hmm. there is a lot of death in here, mm-hmm. especially the death of children, which is, you know, very, very distressing. I mean, hopefully it's distressing for the listener. I mean, if it's not, I mean, that's, you know, you probably need some help. Right. I mean, those kids are basically a meat shield for Jesus. Yeah. And yet uh, we call them the holy innocents. Why were they innocent? It's not because they were young. It was because they were circumcised. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Here's they, a question. Is it innocence or innocence? Is it many people that are innocent? Or is it the innocence of the people? Uh, many people who are innocent. The innocent. Yep. So, yeah. it's uh, And we don't know how many died. Could have been a dozen. Could have been more. Um, you know, I mean, it's not like Bethlehem was this great big town. Right? It was actually fairly small. Um, but you know, some died and, uh, we can rejoice that they are in heaven because of the old Testament sacrament of circumcision by which they were added to God's covenant. And in the same way, um, we take great comfort in things like holy baptism, Mm -hmm. right? That, uh, uh, this is why, you know, people, you shouldn't wait to get your kid baptized and, and, you know, and also you can uh, talk about really the deliver from evil. Right, because these children were actually delivered from evil. Maybe not mm-hmm. in the way that we, you know. Well, I mean, I think of my own daughter who died. Um, I prayed that she would always be a Christian for her entire life and be taken to heaven. And she was. And my prayer was answered, right? Mm-hmm. Not the way I thought it would be answered, mm-hmm. right? But it was still answered. So, right. And... and just a kind of an overarching theme you can see from the beginning too is is what what does it look like when the righteousness of God meets the wickedness of this world it's an explosive situation it doesn't it's going to have death it's going to have anger it's going to have rage it's going to have jealousy because this world wants nothing to do with the righteousness of God you good there the champagne's hard to pour man foams up a lot more than beer does that's the truth we got plenty of meat here, by the way. Yeah. No, I'm going to have a little bit more. So, yeah. No, anything more you want to say about the text? No, not really. I think we we covered it. There's a lot, a lot there. One uh, hymn that I suggest that pastors look at is uh, hymn 273 in the Lutheran hymnal, TLH. Um, it's uh, Sweet Floweret of the Martyr Band. Um, it was written by Prudentius. Uh, it's a great hymn, especially for these little martyrs. Um, another one would be uh, Matthew Carver's uh, translation of Rise Again, Ye Lionhearted. Uh, it's found in Walther's hymnal, and uh, it is such a beautiful, beautiful text. Um, talking about, uh, you know, there's some great lines in it, like, Count we not the cross bes- bespattered uh, like the wise, a foolish thing. Right, just a beautiful line, or um, um. Oh man, it's just <sighs> that on thee only hangeth all, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm void of any asset small, let alone great feats of power. On thee only hangeth all, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, if we're going to endure to the end, um, it's going to be by God's grace alone. So, if you're looking for some hymns for martyrdom, uh. You know, those are two great places to go. So, mm-hmm. because they they died for Christ, and then Christ wind up will wind up dying for them. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the great thing is this this text kind of brings us back to earth, just like Saint Stephen's did uh, on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, hey, you know, this is why Jesus died uh, because the world is very evil and it needs to be overcome. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm eating. Nope. That's good. Uh, Jonah, take us to the next thing. (laughs) 
That's what I call the riff on that effect. <laughs> <laughs> when, when Berg throws it to you and you're not quite ready. So what is the next thing? I have no idea. Neither do we, so let's figure it out. Yeah. All right, what do we want to do? Um. Well, since this is a New Year's party, right? Sure. So what kind of things do people do at New Year's parties? Uh, basically get drunk, I think. Okay. For the most part. Yeah, something a little bit more godly than that. Like, do they play any games or anything? Um, uh, I don't know. Card games. I don't think there's anything, like, stereotypically New Year's, uh, like a game. Mm-hmm. But I also don't go to a lot of New Year's parties. Yeah, I'm usually in bed pretty early. That's what happens when you get, you know. I play video games usually. All right. Nice. I got something. Okay. So... Okay. Uh, I've got a list of my father's sermons that he preached at the chapel. I thought maybe we could do a listen and stop. We could discuss. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to read the the var- various texts, and you can pick one. Sounds great. So, Job forty two ten through thirteen, John twenty one one through fourteen, Micah two one through five, Hebrews ten twenty five to twenty three. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23. Um, Hebrews, oh, he preached that three times. Malachi 3, 1. Mark 2, 13 through 17. Genesis 9, 8 through 17. Psalm 25, 15. Uh, Luke 13, 31 through 33. Mark 1, 21 to 28. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. Got any? What do you guys think? What's the Genesis 9 one? I was actually thinking about that one. Well, uh, Genesis 9. Uh, Jonah, can you grab that Bible there? We'll do that one. This is from February 8th, 1985. Ah, I wasn't even born yet. What do you got there? Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you. As many come out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations... I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and my bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. I'm going to say just right now, if you were to preach on this text today, he would probably preach it different than he preached it in 1985. Okay. How so? Uh, I think the uh, rainbow has oh, been you know, yes. co-opted. So <laughs> I'm sure there'd be a little bit more uh, timely application there. I just wanted to say, you part the waters, same ones that I'm drowning in. Yes. <laughs> truer words. <laughs> and I am not fit to touch. 
the hem of your garment. All right, here we go. In the name of Jesus, who shows the true colors of our loving Heavenly Father. Amen. I it stop. Fitting on. Uh, I liked how in his opening he already references the rainbow. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I like that. Because it's not just some stock opening, but he is already already thinking. Yeah, he's already pre. You know, he's kind of setting setting the game, right? Up, so, uh, side note: What is this? What's what year is this from? This is from 1985. 85. Bruce Springsteen, Madonna, waiting for Nirvana. Sorry. Animals Week, as Dr. Zilf has so termed it, that we should conclude our school week with the story of the flood. The only Bible stories which came to mind as I was writing this message that have more animals in them are a few plagues in Egypt, the 40,000 horses of Solomon, and the locust plague in Joel. As famous as the flood is, it appears to be really so little used in our congregations. It seems sometimes to be merely used as some kind of a club for keeping bratty Sunday school children in line. But meanwhile, adults and their pastors tend to shy away from the story of the flood. Pause. It has never been extremely... So, yeah, I mean, it's true. What I've seen is everyone makes the flood, like, uh, really happy and really cartoony. Like baby room. Yeah, like, oh, look, you know, here are some bath toys for the flood and da-da-da-da-da. Right. You know, it's like imagine there being a nuclear war and everyone got killed and all of life got killed except for like the people in the the biodome. Right. Right. And then 2000 years later, everyone's decorating their homes with like thermonuclear weapons (laughs) or like they give their babies thermonuclear weapons. Right. Like, (laughs) I mean, it's crazy, right? War, war never changes. Extremely popular at Cheap Grace Lutheran Church, where for years the pastor has been mingling and brewing law and gospel under the theme, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. If this statement is applied to the story of the flood, what a strange picture emerges about what was happening. It appears then as though God were trying in the flood to eliminate all human sin. But oh my, people accidentally got destroyed along with the sin. Okay, stop. It's as though God were had... <laughs> that, that is so awesome. <laughs> oh, that is like the best critique of that deal. You know, love the sin, hit the, hate the sinner, right? You know, or, right. you know, hate the sin, love the sinner, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, the Bible actually says God hates the sinner, right? That's why we need Jesus. Right. But he does such a great job. It's hilarious because he's just so deadpan about it. Right. <laughs> Man. You want to keep going? Oh, yeah. Had performed an unsuccessful synectomy of which, a, <laughs> of which a doctor today might say the operation was a success, but the patient died. <laughs> the best place to find law and gospel in the flood is to look at the story itself. Prior to the flood, God determined that he was going to blot out man because of the evil imagination of his heart. And immediately after the flood story, God determined to send blessings and to remove the curses because of the evil imagination of man's heart. 
And the visible sign of this grace, as you heard in the story, is the bow in the cloud, which we know as, of course, the rainbow. There seems to be some kind of a theological subculture, which we might call the theology of the rainbow, where a whole host of theological conclusions are drawn not by looking at the covenant, which the rainbow represents, but merely by looking at the physical properties of the rainbow itself. Okay, it's stop. It's amazing what kind of sermons can... Yeah, I mean, this is true. This is, uh, this is something that the band Perry does uh, um, in their song, uh, If I Die Young, right? She mm-hmm. prays that God would send her back as a rainbow to shine over her mother, right? <laughs> and uh, where, rather, like, this thing is a symbol. Like, it represents the covenant that God has right. made. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the thing itself. Right. So that's a, yeah, that's a great point. This can be written by using a little sunlight, imagination, and a garden hose. <laughs> For example, it is said that the rainbow hovers between heaven and earth and thus occupies a mediatorial kind of position. Or it is said that the rainbow is beautiful and colorful to show the beauty of our God. Or it is said that a rainbow is elusive, much like God. That you, when you walk toward it, you can never reach it. It always remains off in the distance. And in the same way, we cannot attain to God. Perhaps this is why the idea of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow has never been popular in a stewardship program. (laughs) Another idea that comes to mind is that For most of the time in Scripture, with the exception of only two or three cases, the word for bow here is an instrument of war. Thus it is said that after the flood, God was laying down his instrument of war and judgment upon human sin. And as you heard in the psalm, he could also then be laying down the heavenly arrows of his lightning bolts. Or it is said that since the the bow appears after the rain and the appearance of all these dark clouds, that the mercy of God shines the brightest after there has been some kind of tribulation suffered. Well, if we want to talk that way, I'd like to try a little bit of this kind of thing on my own. For Christmas, I received a crystal prism, which I usually keep hanging in my picture window in the living room. When the sun shines and strikes the prism, rainbows are scattered all over my living room. Pause. On one day in particular, do you remember this? Oh yeah, yeah. It was a beloved object of of your family's, or just kind of that was just the case. Yeah, he really. I mean, it was really kind of. Now this was before the new agey crystal stuff. So right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember it uh, in my grandma's place, but I also remember it from the movie Pollyanna, which is a '60s movie. You know, and mm-hmm. they he kind of charms the young boy. You know, they've got this older kind of cantankerous fellow. And he kind of befriends this orphan, and they kind of bond over these sort of prisms, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it, it seems like it was a pretty popular thing, like 60s, 70s, 80s, 80s yeah. you know, kind of thing. So, And he, you could spin it, and you just get these little rainbows that would swirl around the house. Because right. as he preaches this year, what, 11 years old? 11 or 12, yeah. 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. A perfect rainbow was formed on a bust of Moses holding the Ten Commandments, which is situated on my coffee table. Thus, to me, it was an obvious symbol that there is gospel in the Old Testament, too. Ah. 
This kind of talk about the rainbow, if it is not dangerous, is at least slippery. It reminds me of theologians who talk about the blessings of the body and blood of the sacrament by merely talking of those blessings in terms of the physical properties of the bread and wine involved in the sacrament. One gets the idea that if God had chosen honey for the sacrament instead of wine, all of a sudden the blessings of Christ's blood would be radically different. But there's another danger in this rainbow theology. The covenant represented by the rainbow was hardly the last word in God's gracious covenants with man. This covenant, if you were listening to the story, was also made with the animals. Thus it must be less than an ultimate covenant of God's grace, unless we still, of course, want to insist with our children that there is a doggy heaven. Ah, also, no. the rainbow covenant is less I just love how he just poo-pooed doggy heaven. <laughs> he's, he's, he was always a, you know, he's always has been a little bit of a sarcastic type of a preacher. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can be sarcastic sometimes. I'm not sure where I... Yeah, by the way, boys, do you, do you hear any similarities between the elder and the next younger? I, I do. He, he weaves a lot more humor slash sarcasm into it, though. Where, like, I mean, you can hear even, like, people are laughing. Right. But that's kind of a chapel thing, too. Yeah. I mean, you can be a lot more, because uh, they, they're more likely to get it. Yeah. You know? Because some old lady would be like, Pastor, are you saying there's not a doggy heaven? All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Hang wait. on. Hang on. Yeah, go ahead. So we're, we're planning on doing a live event, right? Mm-hmm. And you think you, you think you can make the crowd laugh? I think so. So... What if you did a stand-up, uh, a stand-up session? Okay. During the live recording of the podcast. During. Oh. Or before. I'll I'll wrestle with that. Or 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 if you think you if you want to do a preacher preacher style kind of like he has here, if you can get the crowd laughing. Okay, I will think about that. Do it, man. But that was actually a beautiful time in chapel preaching because. Um, and it, it continued on a little bit by the time I was there, but where like professors would would like every once in a while zing each other. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, in a friendly way. But right, I don't know how friendly it all is anymore. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. But he's making some good points. Yeah, and it's hilarious. I mean, if you actually know your scripture, I mean, it's like. And actually, you said it wouldn't. It'd be different. Is it? Honestly, I, I do. I think, like, I, I don't think he probably would have spent as much time talking about the properties of the rainbow, mm-hmm. you know, like some hokey preachers do. And by the way, the 85, you know? when he preached that, that was a very hokey time. Yeah, I mean, I like, I I definitely, like, I was going to be born, like, uh, seven months later after he preached this, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And like, you probably had the, the, the arc theme in your... Probably, who knows. I mean, my son got... Uh, Noah's Ark thing with little animals and everything, you know, like little uh, mm-hmm. plush animals and stuff. And it's like, oh, look, you know, here are the people who are being saved and everybody else dies. <laughs> I see. The thing is, I see in you, I'm, I'm going to call it that uh, there is a, a disconnect because you're someone who probably would like your children to like grow up like 
really thinking about these disaster situations mm -hmm. from the early time on, right? Yep. Like, you like, uh, who's the guy who puts switches in shoes? Oh, Krampus. You like Krampus way more than you like Santa Claus. Absolutely. So, it makes sense that you would want Noah's Ark stuff. Right. Well, you know, and uh, yeah, but the good kind, you know, not like the <laughs> cartoony kind. Right. Well, because you don't ever want to teach the like it was terrible. Mm -hmm. Like you actually think about the flood, it was terrible. Everybody died. Mm -hmm. Everybody, and not just everybody, but like all the animals too. Like, I remember like, when I when I was younger, one of the big things too was uh, you'd use. Uh, I I heard a few sermons on Noah's Ark, and how uh, how when Noah was building the ark for years and years and years. That uh, it was a good evangelism tool of, hey, Noah, what you're building, you know? And, well, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, how did that all work I know. out? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it gave a good chance to share the gospel. Oh, yeah, God's going to oh. destroy the world. Yeah, you can be saved if you come with, too. Uh, right. No, no, thanks. Or if you, you know, if you trust God like, like Noah, you can, uh, you know, you can have a very aggressive building program, you know? Right. Well, and think about it, right? They spend, like... Oh, how many, like, they spend, like, a year on the Ark. Like, a year and 10 days, I think it is. Oh, the smell, right? the sickness. The I mean, you've got to be shoveling manure out of there, and, like, you can see your daily bread going down, and then you finally get out of the Ark, and what do you see? I mean, the world had had right. to be vastly different, right? you know, from when they from when they left. I mean, we can just see it from the fossil record, mm -hmm. right? Where you have trees that have been fossilized that go through like all of these different layers of sediment, which is hilarious because that looks like the tree is like millions of years right. old, according to their nonsense. Well, the, the start, the young tree was that old, you know. Right. <laughs> but no, he, he he does a good job. I think he probably would be focused more on uh, that what people today are doing. You know, I don't know. I can't speak for him, but I think he probably would have. I wonder, you know, it'd be interesting to see what he'd do with this text today. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could, you could even call him. And yeah, like, you know. So, we need we need some more grumpy uh, uh, messages from the answering machine, right? That's right. <laughs> all right, here we go. Less than ultimate in its effects, because after all, it promises temporal and physical blessings: the absence of another flood, the food of both plant and beast, and the continuance of the seasons. How little we need a new rainbow theology which calls housing projects and political peace and two chickens in every pot. The essence of the eternal gospel which is to be proclaimed from the mountaintops. If that's what it is, then the rainbow occupies a prominent place in popular religious symbolism along with the Christmas wreath, the Valentine heart, the unicorn, the cornucopia, and the Olympic torch. Ah. <laughs> the most we can say that's about this rainbow covenant I, is this. That's that's quite a group he's got there. Right. Right. Is there anything yeah. you would add in there uh, for symbolism nowadays, Berg? Oh, um, the fist for Black Lives Matter, right? Uh, QAnon, you know, those kind of things. Um, because I think that, you know, those are, those are kind of the cultural symbols now mm -hmm. i think a lot of the cultural symbols that you know your dad is talking about were true and common in 85 mm -hmm. but now people hate the cornucopia i mean like the 16 what is it the 16 
11 or the 16, 19, 16, 19 project, 16, 19 project. I mean, you know, and all of these things, um, the Christmas wreath is pretty well gone. Mm-hmm. The cornucopia is gone. The Olympic torch is now being borne by men who think that they're women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so it's really interesting just to hear like how this sort of, uh, civic religion that he's referencing here, mm-hmm. uh, which was very, I think, detrimental in the long run for America, uh, that's all gone away. Because it, it created, in a sense, a, a, really an idea of works righteousness in the sense of, well, I love these things, so everything's right with God. Right. You know, God is in his heaven and all's right with the world as long as we have these symbols. Right. Right? And uh, that's sure not the case anymore. Jesus wrote a blank check. One I haven't <laughs> cashed quite, quite yet. <laughs> Berg's going to start listening to Cake now, I think. Almost. This covenant promises that the stage of this world will last long enough for God to carry out his saving actions upon it. It promises us that Bethlehem will last long enough for the Savior of the world to be born there, that the Jordan River will last long enough for our Savior to be baptized there, that trees would continue to grow long enough for the tree of the cross to be made, that death itself would last long enough for it to be conquered at the empty tomb, and that the world itself would last long enough for the real gospel to be proclaimed throughout the world. Thirdly, the Rainbow Covenant is certainly far less than ultimate in its, in its results, which are seen in the next two chapters following this lesson. There we see the immediate results of this covenant, the drunkenness of Noah, the nakedness of Noah, the curse upon Canaan, the fiasco at Babel, the systematic death of many generations. The stage of the world then was truly set for the ultimate covenant of God's grace, which we see in the next chapter, chapter 12. The eternal perfect blessings worked through the seed of Abraham, the savior of the world. There are, however, a few things about this rainbow covenant that are similar to this ultimate covenant of Abraham's seed. The same grace of God is at work in both of them, and both of them are universal in scope. Like the ultimate covenant of God's grace, the rainbow covenant is entirely one-sided, entirely the work of God, and entirely unconditional. About all Noah could do was stand and watch and humbly and meekly offer a few sacrifices from animals which God himself had preserved upon the ark. As the lesson begins, you lead your casual slaughters, and I'm the one that helps you win. <laughs> nice, that nice reference. Good for you, man. I'm I'm hitting them. You're hitting them. You are. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. It's amazing how he is tying this all to the grand scope of biblical history, without mm-hmm. really, you know, without taking away from the text at all. Mm-hmm. Like we know, we're still talking about Genesis nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm. I really like this sermon. It's it's uh, it's simple, you know. It it makes so many points that follow a theme, right? And uh, it, it points to Christ without being in a cheesy kind of a way. 
he started, and usually we would do the opposite. We would talk about the dissimilar things between mm-hmm. the Noahic covenant and the covenant given to Abraham. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how he, rather than talking about the similar things first, he talks about the dissimilar things, and now he's talking about the similar things to really emphasize uh, the universality of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And in kind of a meta sense, too, as kind of like we when we talked about Berg's sermon, it's a very efficient sermon. We're hitting a lot of stuff here real quick. Right. Yeah, yeah there's nothing wasted. Well, there's nothing wasted. We're right. hitting it a lot. Even his, it. even his humor had a theological point. It and wasn't not, just... It's not a cursory hu- glance at anything either. We're like, we're hitting everything hard. We're just hitting it briefly. Right. It's not like a vicar sermon. Right. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's good to have humor in the sermon. But you notice this humor had a theological point to it. It was... Right making humor in a way that was making bad theology look ridiculous. Right. It's uh, like planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. If you're going to tell a story... Have a point. Have a point. It makes it so much easier for the listener. (laughs) (laughs) With the speech of God, it says, I, behold, I am doing all these things. The same God who caused the flood is the God who remembered Noah. It was God who remembered his grace. It was he who spared Noah. It is he who put this rainbow covenant into effect at that time. It was he who made the sign of that covenant, the bow and the clouds. And it is he who saw the sign of this covenant and remembered a poor human race. The rainbow, after all, was a sign for him, not for us. A sign for him to behold a sign by which he remembered us. In this story, he made the sign, and then he turned around and beheld the sign for a poor human race. And it reminds us of how our Heavenly Father, first of all, arranged the cross of his son Jesus, and then turned around and beholds the cross for our redemption. With these things in mind, The rainbow has indeed become also for us a symbol of the eternal covenant of Jesus Christ. After all, the Apostle John saw the rainbow too. These two covenants are likened to one another and then contrasted in a couple of verses from Isaiah 54. For this is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. It is no wonder, then, that there arose the ancient custom of saying the Lord's Prayer whenever the rainbow was seen. We too today can see it and can say, Thy kingdom come. Amen. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, that was, we, you picked a good one, Joe. Thanks. Yeah, or was it Peter? I'm the one person who had zero input on that. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like the vicar. Yep, just like the vicar, taking credit where no credit is I'll due. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah, and then he brought it. The more you try to qualify, the more it all will pass you by. Man, I don't have any internet connection, so I can't look up lyrics like you can. Some people like to make life tougher than it is. I already (laughs) used that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so, but I, I like even how he ended that too, right? Yeah, the comparing and the contrasting of the cross mm-hmm. uh, was was very powerful, and uh, yeah, and the the praying the Lord's prayer whenever you see a rainbow. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the thing is that I kind of think too, as pastors, we should encourage laudable customs like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like crossing yourself when you see something evil, mm-hmm. and saying, "Lord Jesus, save me," or um, you know, this is why we ring the bells. Mm-hmm. Right, we ring the bell so that way people can pray the Lord's prayer, you know, and yeah. uh, so. Well, well, thank you, uh, Doctor Bullhagen, the the third, the first generation of of this show. Indeed, <laughs> to uh, to give us content when we didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> we've so. we've finished our uh, champagne, got a little bit of venison left, so. Yeah, that yeah, that was fun. It was yeah. kind of fun for me to listen to my my father from see that would have been thirty. So if our listeners want to listen ago. to more Doctor Bullhagen sermons, where can they go? Uh, if you just search Google search CTSFW and then Bullhagen, it'll 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 be like a, you can list and it'll list things he's written and then sermons from chapel. Good. So, and you can do that with like all sorts of different professors over the years as well. Right. So take an opportunity in the new year to listen to uh, some great preaching. Yeah, yeah. And Peter, if they want to know more about what we do and have any questions for us, where can they get a hold of us? Well, they can email us, uh, feedback at clericalerrors.org. Uh, we have a Facebook page, page facebook.com slash podcast, And we have a Twitter. At me, bro. It's at clericalerrorsp. Podcast. And we have a web store. If you guys like um, Pastor Berg's riff on that, well, our, we have a shirt just for you. Our top selling shirt. Our top sh- selling shirt Jonah's <laughs> wearing right now. It is amazing. We we uh, today we're recording this on the twenty sixth actually. So we we opened presents yesterday, and Jonah got opened one, and uh, Bullhagen opened one, and Bullhagen, what's your what's your? Uh, I, I just got the, the the standard album art. Yeah, and what, what's your uh, impression on the shirt itself? Um, one note to listener, they are built a little snug. They're built a little snug, but which you like. Right. I mean you like it. I picked it out. I when we you show me the sample shirts, I put this one on, I like look at those lats. Ah. <laughs> nice. So Well and I, I had a uh, a quote here that I didn't get to use from Cake, uh, but I think Berg will appreciate the more you try to shave the cat the more the thing will bite and scratch. It's best, I think, to leave the fur and listen to a silky purr. Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> I think that should be our outro thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't so, I'm, 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 I've just, I'm, <laughs> you mentioned that now my brain in the entire episode has only been cake lyrics. <laughs> I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. <laughs> and I'm Peter. And let your cats purr. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at 
Thanks for listening to Claire Glares. See you next time. You don't even play piano. (laughs) 